0: So good to see you all. Hopefully you're great. And AFC, NFC NFC championship today. Everybody's so jacked. Okay, one of us. It's pretty excited. It's a good day. Um, As you know, the continual rhythm of our community here is a couple things. Every season, we have three things that we see working together. One is a community outreach. Every season, we purpose together to join in on a community outreach together that's really centralized and focused. And if you were around in 2019, we hit some awesome stuff joining in on some amazing things in the city. One of the things with our community outreach is we don't want to reinvent the wheel here. Um, our gatherings, we believe, are, you know, we're here in the city to gather together and then to launch communities out. And But one of the things we've been really feeling is around community outreach, is just joining in with some of the amazing, amazing organizations and things that are happening here. Two, we have a spiritual practice every every season, and we want you to know that. So for the season, this season, early on in 2020, we are actually practicing something called a rule of life. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, we actually introduced this and had some workbooks, all of those workbooks in paper form are gone. People are like digging this. We did this in our community, around our community meal as well, and people were just really engaging this really well as far as creating on paper a uh, rule of life. If you'd like a digital copy of those, we actually haven't posted them online, but what we are doing is if you'd like one, we'll send you one via email and you can use that at your own disposal over the next couple of months. And we're just cur- encouraging everybody in this rhythm of spiritual practice just to think about creating a rule of life something that's intentional that's leading our lives around some very formative things in our life so we encourage you to do that so we have an outreach every season we have a spiritual practice and then we have a teaching series every season and if you don't know right now we are actually walking through the liturgical church calendar that may sound scary to you it may sound jedi night it really isn't it's just this idea of coming around something ancient something pretty old it's a church calendar that leads the church and has led the church through particular seasons throughout the year, through the church calendar. Advent, which we celebrate in December, four Sundays prior to Christmas, is actually the beginning of the church calendar. We said Happy New Year at the beginning of December. We went through Christmas and the 12 days of Christmas. We celebrated the 12th day of Christmas two weeks ago. And now we're in this amazing season of epiphany where we celebrate God coming to Gentile people. In particular, we are going to look at stories and songs throughout these couple of months, how God totally flips the script on its head. The main piece in all of this is God comes to some guys called magi, these like astronomer dudes uh, we talked about last week, and they come to the Christ child, they come to Jesus, and the worship that they pour out is just this mind-bending thing, because these guys are Jewish, these guys are not historically in the people of God in the Old Testament, but the whole story through Jesus of Nazareth is the invitation to worship the King is open to anybody. How cool is that? Like, this is amazing. And so I I felt, I just felt a new sense of energy in what we do during the season to celebrate. So with that said, actually, before we jump in, I'm going to actually invite Pat uh, Linton to come. Everybody give Pat a big clap, a loud clap, because he's just totally worth it. And, um, Pat has been really, really helping us um, on our ministry team, helping uh, formulate and get some things going as far as community outreach. And uh, hi, yes, good to see you. Very good. Um, and been just so great helping shape some of the outreaches over 2019. And he's just going to introduce what we're going to be doing this. Uh, winter It's not actually necessarily new, but we're going to reintroduce it as something we hope many of us can come around. So give us an update. The Patriots are out. That's okay, though. We're all right. We're all right. We're yeah, more focus on this. That's right, yes. <laughs> um, the carnal things of life, eh, that we focus on. Yes. All right. Um, so we're excited to announce our second annual winter outreach, and we're going to be putting the team into the coolest and view walk again this year. Um, the details are February 22nd, this Saturday. Um, you can sign up online. We'll be sending out the links here shortly through. Um, it, the event itself it raises funds for the mission services at Lens, which is a really good cause, and we did it last year, and it was a really great time. It was a two-kilometer walk around the city, and then you go back to Catholic Central High School, and there's a little bit of a party afterwards, and coming together and a bunch of different organizations in the community. Um, we had a good tournament last year, I think it was like 30 people. Yeah, with kids. Yeah, it was awesome. we was kids-friendly as well, so hopefully we can increase our numbers this year and have another great time. So if you have questions, let me know. Otherwise, we'll be sending some info through emails and social media. Awesome, that's great. So yeah, so we will send an email out as well in weekly, City View, or, ooh, there we go, I made a mistake, Praxis Weekly, Um, we will send out the links that you can follow, basically, it's as simple as this, joining our team, you can do that online, walking with us, and helping raise some dough, and we had a great time last year, I think we've upped the goal to about $1,100 for this year, is what we'd like to raise, uh, to kind of see this uh, further, we love Mission Services, what they do here in the city, as far as our brothers and sisters on the margins, and those marginalized in our city. They do an amazing work. And so this is a way for us to have a lot of fun. If you, who was there last year? Some of you, it was so fun. You get to just walk together and hang out. Honestly, one of the things too is there were people that came that were some kind of newer to the community and it was a great opportunity just to get to know people within the community. And then they do like chili after and some fun stuff in the cafeteria there at CCH. So join our team, help us raise some dough. And this is what we're gonna join in on over the next uh, couple of months as we kind of purpose to do that together. Sound like a plan? You're in? If you're in, join us, join us. It'll be great. And the cool thing is, is you can actually send that profile or that link then out to friends and family who you can get to sponsor you and join in. You can send it to people. I know last year, our kids specifically, we got them to kind of send stuff out under kind of their name to, to grandparents and people that they know in their life. It's a great way for kids to get involved as well, which is great. With all that said, if you have a Bible, Um, and you want to turn it on or open it up, we're going to look at the psalm that we read this morning, Psalm 40, Psalm chapter 40. A beautiful psalm. Now, if you know, and you've been around uh, the teaching for a while in this community, we haven't spent a lot of time over the years in the psalms. This is kind of new to me. If you don't know, the psalms or the psalter was basically the Hebrew songbook or poetry book. Many Hebrew people use this as their their prayer book. This is actually scripted things written over time, poetry over time, that they would use to shape their prayer lives and their imagination as they prayed. Uh, This psalm is by a guy named David. If you don't know, some of you guys know maybe from some of your kids' classes too, David was the guy who defeated Goliath, became king of Israel. And he kind of had an up-and-down kind of life. And one of the things we know about David is he knew what it was like to be in the pit. David would, and if you know the story of his life, would hide in caves from this guy named Saul. His life wasn't just marked as the king. He had a number of seasons in his life that were very good and then a number of seasons that were not so good. And one of the things David does is he actually writes these songs. He was musical. He writes this poetry. And this is attributed to him. This is one of his psalms. Now, I know we already said it with our mouths. I'd love for us to say it again. Can we say it together? Ready? Let's say it. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song In my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Now, you can leave this up because I think this is actually a beautiful picture for us of Epiphany. Look at what it says I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently. What season has that been for us the last little while? It's a picture of Advent right here, I think. Years and years before there was even such a thing as a church calendar. David waiting, waiting eagerly in the ups and downs of his life for God's presence. And that's what we did during Advent. We got actually really honest and real that the whole story of Jesus really starts in waiting. 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. This, if you're a Hebrew way back in the day, waiting on the edge of your seat for a Messiah to come. Now, hundreds of years earlier, David is crying out to God and saying, listen, I waited patiently for the Lord. And then what happens? He shows up. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. This right here is epiphany. The waiting moves towards an epiphany a sudden and striking realization. And here David is on the edge of his seat saying, God has lifted me out of this pit, out of this mud. He set my feet on a rock. He's given me actually a firm place to stand. This, my friends, is epiphany. Now, have you ever had an epiphany in your life? I think back, and I've shared stories even last week. I was thinking again this week, when our kids were uh, especially little, like Jonas wasn't even on the scene. I think Judah was two at the time. We went, because we're really good parents, I think we went to Harvey's one evening, you know, good old fast food, you're welcome, it's good. Uh, A night out with the family, Uh, trust me, the fest house is very exciting. And um, it was right as uh, pop dispensers were kind of coming out from behind the counter at fast food restaurants to where you could pour your own pop. And we went and we got our meal and actually I think it was just Judah and Ava alive, because Judah was two at the time, and uh, alive. The others hadn't come. You get what I'm saying. Uh, that sounded weird. Sorry. And so we get our meal. And because I'm a really good parent, I think I got Coke that night, which is like, you know, a little bit of a treat, especially now as you get to your late 30s. Um, but uh, in that time, it was a little bit of a treat. So we're letting, I'm letting Judah have these little sips of Coke. And he's just loving it, like sip after sip. He's just loving His imagination, his heart is just like on fire that he can have the sugar. And so on the way out... Uh, We're putting stuff in the garbage, and all of a sudden, a guy walks up and starts to dispense his drink. And all he could do was look, and he just, I remember it like it was yesterday, he just goes... (laughs) Like, mouth open to the floor. For him, this was a moment where it was like, this is where the sweet goodness comes from that never ends. And this guy's literally just letting go of this pop into his cup. And this is like Judah's epiphany of like, oh my goodness, my whole world has changed, that this could be actually accessible to me. We all have these epiphany moments. And one of the things we come around this season is a reminder to us that God comes to ordinary, average, unique people, even outside of what his family was in the Old Testament, people like us. And if epiphany is a sudden and striking realization for us, then it conjures up something within us. It conjures up worship, right? I wanna talk about worship this morning again, because I think this is what this season is about. I'm waiting and anticipating through, through Advent, the Christ child Jesus comes as a little baby, we celebrate the gifts and all that, but now you and I, doesn't matter how young we are in this place, if we've received Jesus, There needs to be a reminder to us, and this is why the church calendar is so beautiful, because it pushes us to remember that God has come, and it conjures up to us worship. It started in a garden. The story of God starts in a garden where God is literally present with his people, walking in the cool of the day. We know that sin fractures that at its core. Shalom, or peace, is broken. There's hostility between humans and God, and God's presence, in in, in a way, is, is lifted. In the Old Testament, you get this picture that God forms a people called Israel and they're these ones to be love and light to the world around them. And for God to dwell among them, what he did is he actually gave them instructions to build a tent that God's presence wasn't in the garden anymore, walking in the cool of the day, but it was actually in a place called a tent or a tabernacle. And then later they would build brick and mortar called a temple. But if you know Israel's story, they would continue to lose that temple and go into exile and lose their identity in some ways as God's people because the temple was destroyed. And so now we get to Jesus, who is the embodiment of God's presence. John actually picks this up, a writer, friend of Jesus, picks it up later, and literally his language is, is that Jesus came, God came in flesh through Jesus to tabernacle among us, that Jesus was actually the tent, God's presence among us and something that happens through this epiphany through this striking realization is that the whole story changes and it conjures up worship the magi come and actually the type of word that we get in the greek when it, when they come to jesus is this word proskuneo there's actually if you can throw it up there's actually and we talked about this this is review but there's three different words that talk about worship In the original language, proskuneo is this word that means bowing down or giving whole body worship. So when the magi come to Jesus, they literally lay down their lives. There's also a couple other words in Greek that kind of turn up in our our English Bibles as worship. There's liturgia, which is ministry or liturgy or what we're doing here, ministry, the work of the people is worship. And then litria, this idea of worship in all of life. And one of the things we've been saying here as a community is we actually want to see all three of things mesh and fuse and work together in what it means to have a life of worship. Latargeia, right? The work of the people. Ministry. Absolutely. When we get together, that's part of our worship. Worship in all of life. 100%. You know, I was thinking yesterday, I have a problem. I like hockey. Anybody? I just, so I play, so... Classic Canadian family yesterday. Heather goes out the door in a snowstorm with the boys to their games, and I go to my own games. Aren't I a great parent? I played in a hockey tournament. I thought there's nothing more Canadian than in a snowstorm, dad going one way to his games and the boys going to their, to their games. I thought this is great. This should be like a Tim Hortons commercial or something. And, um, I just got thinking as I was hanging out with my friends, there is nothing like sweating and playing hockey and then getting in a warm shower and putting your cozy clothes. Anybody with me? None of you know what, yeah, it's just a way of life. And I thought, how cool is it that even in something as maybe what you see as shallow as sports could be a way in which we worship in all of life. No matter what we do, what we put our hands to, worship in all of life. And then there's this idea of proskuneo, A concrete time in which we bow and give our lives and worship. And here's the response in David's language. The response to being taken out of the slimy pit. Did you catch it? What is it? The response. So even hundreds of years before Jesus in flesh and blood. Do you see David's response here? He took me out of the slimy pit. He took me out. And what did he do? He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise. This is what Epiphany does. He took me out, and the response to God's work is a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise. Paul picks up on this later. Um, when it comes to hymns of praise and songs from our mouths, in Ephesians 5, he puts it like this. He says, be, carry, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting. There's denominations that have all sorts of stances on what being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like. And people can argue and quib about that all they want. That's fine. But here's, here's what Paul says. Let's, I think Paul, he wrote Bible, which is... I think something we should probably listen to. Verse 19, what's the automatic response of being filled with the Spirit? He took me out of the miry pit, he put a new song, and then listen, Paul years later says, speaking to one another with what? Psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. And then he says, listen, a life that is filled with the Spirit is this. Sing and make music from your heart. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that what comes with being filled with the Spirit is a song, is a new song, is a new melody on our lives? I think we need to just think through this. And I think this is actually something that needs to be practiced in our community. Even philosophically, think about it. At the at the the root of every human life is the reality that you talk about what you love. Can I get an amen? It's just true. You love, in other words, you love what you talk about. If I were just to get to know you for a little bit and we were to hang out, have some dinners together and meals and spend some time together, after a while, I wouldn't have to like probably really scratch very deep to get to know what you love because what we love actually comes out on the outside of us. And this is what epiphany does. If we've actually had an epiphany of King Jesus coming, it does conjure something up on the outside of us. We love what we talk about or we talk about what we love. And I've just been saying recently that the real litmus test for revealing what we love is life, is life. The litmus test for what we love, if you spent time with me, my family, you would know on the outside of us what our loves are. And it's always interesting, I remember doing student ministry for a number of years, and we would have these, and many, some of you were there, these beautiful nights, and we would have a gathering in the foyer as kids arrive before the actual gathering, and it was always interesting, like rubbing shoulders with high school students, you know, sometimes people can be quiet and reserved, and I get it, showing up to a unique space is kind of weird. Anybody been a first-time visitor here? It's just, let's be honest, it can be weird, and I always remember thinking, I've got to get... To the root of their life. It's interesting, as I would talk with kids, they'd be quiet, but if you got to that one thing, you know what I'm saying? That one video game. You know, I think in the day it was Diablo. I don't even know what that is, but some of you, any Diablo fans? I remember one kid, if I could just get to that, that would get them to speak on the outside because we ultimately talk about what we love. We love what we talk about. I love what Alan Kreider says. He puts it like this. This is what worship is. This is what epiphany does for us. He says that worship is telling, celebrating, and continuing the story of God. This is what worship is. It's telling, it's celebrating, and it's continuing the story of God. So we tell the story of God through story and song. When we get together, we do this, we embed this in our community, in our lives as a formative practice. We celebrate the story with human emotion, right? So I've been to some of you, been with some of you to hockey games and to concerts and to weddings. And can we just be honest? Human emotion is not lacking. You remember when Russ Wilson threw that interception to help the Patriots win? Where's Kareen at? Come on. Did you not jump out of your seat? It was a moment where I was with many people from this church and I looked like a fool. I looked like a fool. And people hold it over my head to this day, the way I reacted to that moment. There's a sense of in the formative idea of celebrating the story of God is that there's actually human emotion involved, and we continue the story with our entire lives in the world—how we live, how we move, what we do with our lives. It is all worship. Worship is telling, telling celebrating, and continuing the story of God. How are we doing? We doing okay. How are the kiddos doing? You hanging in there this morning? A little unique, I know. Now. I'm pretty calculated, can I be honest? This is free therapy, I think, which is good. I need this often. I'm pretty calculated with the teachings. Um, There's usually a pretty good path with what we talk about in the formulation of a sermon and a teaching. I've just been really uh, wrestling this week because I could give you quotes from church fathers and we could dissect some things around worship and what it really means but I just keep coming back to this in particular for our community. And I feel like uh, Paul, if he was over a community in the ancient Mediterranean or some of these leaders early on, they would address certain things in communities. And this just keeps coming back to me and it keeps coming back over and over. Is there room for us to challenge our corporate worship? Is there room to kind of This morning, in light of what Epiphany does, like I'm talking praxis, ground level, is there room to challenge our corporate worship? I like, you like what I put underneath? I was being really real in my language. Like, (laughs) is there room to go to the next level? Is there room in this room to kind of challenge our corporate worship? Now, here's the thing. I know, I know some of us in this room are jaded. Maybe you've been in environments, and I know that there's people in this place where there was a lot of emotionalism and a lot of hype and a lot of "rah-rah kushkamba, let's just like get excited." And I, I even know there's people in this room that maybe you were in a culture that was really perpetuated, th- that there was more and more and more. And it o- honestly became exhausting to you over time. And so I empathize with that. I understand what I'm talking about in over these couple weeks as we've talked about worship. I'm not talking about a heightened form of emotionalism. I'm not talking about hyping ourselves up. But I wonder if for us, if there's actually room without exhausting us to kind of go to the next level as a community. Now there's all sorts of logistical sides with this. Community and worship is, there's logistical things to it, like turning up on time and gathering regularly. These things actually shape a culture of worship in a community like this. But is there room to go to the next level? Is there room for us, just like the Magi, and even what David is uh, proclaiming with his life here, that he took me out of the slimy pit, out of this miry pit, and he set my feet on a rock, and it actually does something so that when we gather together, there are songs of praise, and there are hymns of joy, and there is a sense in a culture where it's not necessarily hype, but there would be something different about this room as we come into this place, and we worship corporately together. As I've come to Epiphany, honestly, I knew, and this is the first time we've done Epiphany and walked through this season, I thought we would touch all sorts of things, but I've just found myself wrestling that there is a corporate element for us as a community. And I do, I, as the leader here at Heaven, I believe there is so much more for us. You with me? There is more for us as we come into this room and we experience the presence of Jesus. And I know we're all cut a a different way and personality has been such an important thing, even as a church to wrestle through. We know there's different personalities and ways and backgrounds and all sorts of things, but, Our hope, my hope would be, is that our worship services together reveal the character and purposes of God together. That there would be something in a day where if we're honest, evangelism is kind of hard. Anybody with me? Anybody feeling the same struggle that I'm feeling in a post-Christian world where it kind of feels like um, people have heard it, right? People have experienced certain things with the church and certain experiences with the church as they've walked uh, life and maybe some of those experiences aren't so great. And evangelism and kind of getting the news and the message of Jesus out is hard. And I'm not saying we should stop doing that, I think it's very important. But as I look at Epiphany, I wonder what it would be like for a community of people that have had this unexpected realization of the King. And then when they get together, what that would do. I was reading one guy, his name's Alan Kreider, he talks a lot about the early church. And he said, one thing that marked the early church's gatherings is, one, they weren't public because they were under Rome. They were, they, when they gathered together, it was legit, for a couple centuries, the church, it was legit secret society. They wouldn't mark, they didn't have websites. You know, I know we do all these things to try and get people to come in, and we're open posture, and I think that's important. But he argues that actually the church lit on fire when it was this patient group worshiping and celebrating around the table and worshiping Jesus together. And he said one of the things that set the early church on fire was that the people on the outside that would somehow through the grapevine hear about these gatherings together, they would come and through their worship, it was the apologetic. People would show up and they'd be like, wow, wait a second. Amongst the pantheon of gods in the Roman world that people would worship, the living God is here. Something's changed. changed something different. And my hope uh, through this season is that maybe as a church we could recapture that, that we could be a community that could recapture that, that even in our songs and the song that we bring, he put a new song in my mouth, that when we show up to a place like this, we've had this epiphany. And then really what would happen is, is other people would join in. Many skeptics that join us over the, over the years and people checking out church, all they could do is go, wow, Look at these people. God is here. There's something about this community together in corporate worship where there may be sirens in the background and that's cool. They're coming for you, Levi. They're coming for you, buddy. Hide, run. Don't, don't actually do it. <laughs> but as we gather together, there would be something where people would walk into this place and go, wow, there's something here. That's my prayer. I pray, I think this is what epiphany does. I think when we have an epiphany of the the king of the universe, something's conjured up. I'm not arguing for hype. I'm not lobbying for you even to be somebody that you're not. But I also believe to be made fully human and alive in Jesus, there is an emotional side to it. And um, I just hope that we can embody this.